You're listening to Culturally Speaking. This is Janice. And this is Neha. And we're here to talk about all things cultural. So today we have Saha joining us. Saha's a surgeon and we thought we'd talk to her about her experiences in the medical field and what it's like being a woman um, working in that environment. So Saha, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us today. Hi, thanks for having me, your podcast. No worries. So let's go right from the beginning. What is it you do and how is it you got into it? Um, So I am a surgical doctor uh, in training, graduated in London and um, currently working in London. So at the moment, um, I'm going through a few uh, departments uh, as part of my training, um, getting exposed to different surgical specialties and um, hopefully working my way up. And for anyone that's not familiar with how it works in the UK, I think it's pretty consistent in that you go to medical school mm. and you experience lots of different areas of medicine and then you choose surgery, I assume. That's right. So initially you start off, well, everyone starts off in the beginning, going through med school, um, passing a load of exams, uh, hopefully getting the graduation day going through, um, and then starting off as what they call F1 and F2, uh, so foundation years. And I think in different countries they call it different things, um, but essentially it's it's the baby, the junior doctor, um, that's exposed to different specialties, getting getting the practical skills going because in med school you're you're sitting there reading, reading the theory behind things. Um, But once you graduate, you know, you're just getting stuck in there and uh, trying to see how much of it you've actually remembered. Um, But those first two years, it's uh, it's actually a good opportunity to actually think about um, what specialty you actually want to end up doing um, if you haven't decided by that point. Because sometimes people from day one, they already know from day one of med school, uh, they're the lucky ones, they already know uh, what they want to do. But others, they need a little bit more time. When did you realise you wanted to specialise in, you know, surgical medicine or and then why? I think my, my period, my uh, moment uh, was towards the end of medical school. Um, we were seeing a few specialties here and there and one of them was uh, ENT so it's more specializing in head and neck uh, surgery and just seeing the interaction of a few surgeons um, with patients both young and old so you know uh, the gentleman's looking at a two-year-old who had hearing difficulties putting a hearing aid on seeing his reaction uh, when he could hear properly Um, and then the next patients straight after was um, someone in their 80s um, and had quite a different uh, problem but just sitting there in the corner and seeing how much of a difference he was making uh, to such different people in society and um, so some of the changes were quite sudden and acute so he'd take them to theatre um, and something that was a, a lifelong issue was suddenly not an issue anymore uh, so I think that was my eureka moment. And I thought, well, maybe that's that's something I want to do. Um, that That's something I need to look into a little bit more. That's a very 
cool eureka moment um and you know with surgeons i think i would say that usually i hear about how more more surgeons are male than female so if we go back in time to when you were studying still and when you eventually made your way through to your current job would you say that was the same in terms of the student population i think that's uh it's right in saying that you you tend to see more male doctors or male surgeons uh just generally um particularly in the higher um higher up hierarchies um so consultants for example the more senior regis registrars i should say um they're more male or in uh, than female um, and i think that's kind of reflective of uh what it has been traditionally it's always been uh, more of a male dominated field not just surgeons but medicine in general um and it's only the last few years where we can actually say actually 50% of medical uh, students are female and I think what we'll see in the next few years is um, an even more balanced uh, representation of surgeons as these 50% graduates um, go up in in their training and then eventually become consultants so yes I think in terms of my role models they've more been male male surgeons um, and that's simply because of the cohort that, that's been on there and did anyone around you, you know, family or friends, um, say anything, you know, when they when they knew that you were going to train as a surgeon to enter this fairly male dominated part of the medical world? I think, um, you know, obviously there was an interest in why I chose it. Um, and uh, quite a few did actually say, ask me, you know, oh, that's those are going to be long hours. Um, have you have you thought that? And initially, when you're much younger you don't really understand what they're saying and i ask them well what do you mean by longer hours so, yeah you know I, i'm currently studying um and they say well what about kids what about children so how, how are you going to be a mum um and a surgeon at the same time um which looking back isn't a surprise that a lot of people do question it um because the first thing that comes up for a woman is you know how are you going to do that um work-life balance how are you going to look after children and not um negatively impact your career um, it's a valid point but i don't think it's something that men um are questioned about when they turn around and say i want to be a surgeon it's not something that first and foremost comes up in whoever's listening to them yeah, we're nodding away on as we're listening <laughs> to this because, uh, yeah, your experience that you've shared there is probably not unique, right? It's just medicine or surgery. Um, there's a lot of careers, and I think particularly with something like surgery where there might be times where there are unpredictable hours or, uh, you know, it's more difficult to plan if you have commitments, not just for childcare. I mean, there's all sorts of commitments that we have, right? Yeah. Um, that but yeah I, I think that is quite often directed unfairly I would say at women first and men maybe afterwards as a as an afterthought for them um but yeah I guess talking about your role models and 
looking at maybe your colleagues and your peers, do you feel that on a day-to-day basis it's particularly obvious or even noticeable that you're female at work or is it very much gender blind? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I would like to say it's gender blind, um, at least amongst my colleagues around the same level as me. Um, However, there are day to day sometimes, particularly when I was a bit more junior, where um, that may not have been the case or how I would have liked to to be received. Um, You do get occasions uh, where patients make the assumption that you're not the surgeon or you're not the doctor <laughs> and uh, it, it's happened a fair few times for, uh, for me and also um, my colleagues I've seen it firsthand happening to my boss who just so happens to be a female so I, I, I do remember a moment where uh, we were doing ward rounds um, a few years back and there were quite a few of us so there's uh, the female consultants so the, mo- the most senior doctor there was uh, myself and a few male colleagues and the male nurse going around as well um, and they they were reviewing the patients um, in the morning just to come up with a plan um, see how they were doing come up with a plan and letting everyone know and there was a, a gentleman lying down on the bed uh, did the review uh, as expected and um, he turns around as we're leaving the cubicle and says, well, when, when am I actually going to see the doctor? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the doctor. She, she just gave you a plan and she introduced you as Dr. So-and-so. So, and he's like, oh, oh, I'm really, really sorry. Uh, goes all red. So it, it wasn't malicious, but he obviously had a stereotype of what a doctor is or doctor looks like. Uh, without even realising, um, so uh, un- unconscious stereotype or lack of a uh, word for that. But um, he, when we challenged him politely, he he's obviously realised what he's done, and um, it just becomes a bit more obvious that that stereotype of what is a doctor or a surgeon and what a nurse is. And I think to add to that. Um... I guess, confusion. My really good friend, who's also a surgeon in this country, told me that unlike things like Grey's Anatomy or, you know, house, doctors here don't have like white ropes. Like you don't, it's actually not that easy, right? To distinguish what department you're in. And she was telling me that, for example, when you write prescriptions, they tell by the color of the pen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that probably doesn't help. Like if I walked into... You know, I've been to hospital here and it is quite hard to distinguish, I guess, what grade or what roles people play. You're all just wearing normal clothes. That's right. So we, we don't have the stereotypical white lab coat, um, at least not anymore. Um, and With your name. We've only got the we've only got the name badge, uh, which everyone else has, and sometimes an obscure title that, you know, the uh, the lay public they don't know what a core trainee is or a specialist mm-hmm. level three. It, it's it's all this uh, 
jargon um so we, you don't exactly know exactly what that person is um so you're left with someone with a scrub and um it just leaves someone to make that assumption oh that that must be the nurse because uh, she's female or uh, that be the doctor do you wear stethoscopes all the time or is that another tv show thing <laughs> uh so doctors, I'd say, generally do wear the stethoscope, but uh, okay. I admit that as a surgeon, I'm less inclined to wear around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> so I wondered, you go ahead. I wondered how long it would take us to bring up Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> because I feel like, I mean, I think it's one of the longest running medical dramas and of course with a woman don't forget er with george clooney that's probably (laughs) the classic noted noted but the fact that they put a female surgeon at the heart of Mm. grace anatomy and her struggles as well as a female surgeon um are always the the long kind of winding storylines of the whole thing but i wonder how much of that is accurate and how much of it is just you know dramatized yeah for effect but do you find that or I don't know if you've ever watched it so but like the things that they go through are actually real or not at all Um, I think with any program they do dramatize it just you know just to squeeze it into like an hour program uh, but I think there's elements of truth in it. And I, I don't know if you've watched Scrubs. Um, mm-hmm. That one's a bit more an extreme of the exaggeration. So um, the the surgeons in Scrubs, if I remember the names correctly, so there was um, the best friend Turk. JD and Turk. Yeah, so JD yeah. being the more nerdy medical doctor versus Turk, which is more, um, you know, sporty jockey type and his be- his mate um, in the surgical department who was Todd high-fiving everyone so yeah. there's an element of truth and and in this you know the stereotype but there is a bit of an exaggeration at the same time but yeah everything's got a little bit of truth in it <laughs> so I, th- I think it was a great bit of entertainment um and actually speak okay si- slight sidebar Naha and I do this a lot but because I listen to a lot of other podcasts and I think about a month ago, I actually heard an advert for a podcast started by whatever the actor's name is, who plays JD. And they're doing a podcast, JD and Turk together, re-watching Scrubs and doing a running commentary on it. They've ah. turned that into a podcast. Yes. <laughs> and That's hilarious. What's the actress... What's the other character on there? Not Carla. Carla's the Turk's wife. Elliot. Yeah. So I think if you look at her role as, you know, training to be a doctor as well, not just in, I don't think she was a surgeon, right? She was just a doctor. Yeah. I think she was constantly kind of undermined by the head of the hospital, the old guy. Um, And I'm wondering, you know, if, I mean, I'm hoping that it's not as bad nowadays, because this is what, 10 years ago, Scrubs. Um, But also I was, when you were talking about being 
I guess, misrecognized as the nurse or just not as senior, not the most senior person. Have you found yourself, I guess, you know, changing how you dressed or how you carried yourself or how you behaved just so people in the room knew that you were the surgeon in that situation? I think it's inevitable that you do have to, you know, change yourself in a way just as a position of authority in the room um simply because at times there are it is a high stake environment it's a high pressure environment uh you might have people who are anxious frustrated scared you have um other colleagues who because of the situation aren't quite sure or just need reassurance about what to do even though they may know already how to do it and at those scenarios you do need uh, someone with leadership or more more authority to guide everyone um through that moment and to I think I found that obviously dressing up dressing the part and um, making sure I'm heard that kind of makes the that journey that process a little bit more easier um because I mean with with a high stake situation um I think they you can almost expect um, a male figure to challenge that and calm everything down so you know to have a five foot two female um you know flapping their hands um that wouldn't do good so I think in a way I try to take the part take ownership of the part um so you know just to make myself proud at at the same time so I guess along with you know following on the same line of thought there um what common misconceptions have you heard from people about you know women being surgeons Um, I think it's more, it's more down to the fact that, um, women surgeons may not have more experience because, you know, they're not in theatre more often, or they might be, um, helping out with kids or raising kids at the same time. So that's, that could be the misconception, but I don't think that's from a colleague to colleague perspective. I think that's more of a society perspective of someone prefers to get a male surgeon because they think they think um, that that individual is more experienced with their particular condition Um, I've heard once the exact opposite which was quite (laughs) refreshing someone said actually females have smaller hands so my surgery I'm gonna have a smaller cut which uh, <laughs> we had to break the news that the cut, the surgical cut, wouldn't we, based on our hands. Um, but <laughs> I wasn't too, I wasn't too forceful in correcting that. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting you say that, right? Hands and physicality. I think in the probably in the kind of surgery that you talked about there, where you were talking about head and neck, you want a very delicate touch. But I imagine. Um, there are other types of medicine where, I don't know, say if you're like setting bones or something, it's quite mm. vigorous sort of work um, versus other kinds of surgery, which is much more delicate and very, you know, requires extreme skill. Um, I don't think 
and maybe you can correct me, but otherwise I can't think of anything physically that really separates men and women in the field of medicine. Um, I I, don't, I can't think of anything from the top of my head, but like you said, orthopedics, uh, bone doctors, it's a bit more, you know, physical, uh, turning the screw, using drills. Um, so their equipment does represent a DIY kit. So if you walk into their theatre, you've got different size uh, screws and drills and it does look like um, they're, they're about to start some DIY. Um, but that, that's what brought the stereotype of orthopedics being laddish men. Um, and in terms of the orthopedic team uh, and departments, I think they've they've done really well in themselves trying to fight that uh, misconception and trying to encourage women to apply to their field. And uh, you could you can already see a big change in the number of women actually applying and getting into orthopedics because they're they're trying to buck that trend and uh, turn it on its head. This might not be relevant, but I want to touch on plastics. Right. So again, Neha and I have I've talked about this before, where there is this general, I guess, idea that a lot of plastic surgeons are men. In part, no thanks to the likes of McSteeny in Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Um, is that is there any truth in that? In, in terms of the proportion of uh, plastic surgeons? Yeah. Um, I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the number is far higher in terms of men to women, um, but compare it to 10 years ago, compare it to certainly 20 to 30 years ago, um, it's a definitely going in the right direction. Uh, it's definitely becoming a bit more even. Um, and I think, again, that's reflective of the number of people who are turning around saying, well, actually, I'm, I'm going to give surgery a go. Um, you know, it's, it's not just for men. It's, uh, it's, it could be for a woman as well. Um, if I'm interested enough in it, I, I'll give it a go. And, um, and it only takes a few years before the, the individuals who've actually made that decision, they they're at that point where they have to make a decision of, okay, so I am now a surgeon, but what kind of surgeon I want to be? Um, do I want to be a plastic surgeon? Um, and that's that's what we want to hear, really. That's what we want to see, that tide changing. I reckon I'd be good at surgery. <laughs> I mean, the only problem I had was not being good enough at sciences when I was at school. <laughs> I reckon, like, based on, you know, my cooking and food preparation and actually needlework as well I reckon I'd be pretty good at it and I'm not squeamish so <laughs> that's the most important thing not being squeamish at the site of blood so if uh if that if you don't have that then that's good <laughs> um anyway moving on swiftly because I know Neha does not like this this kind of talk um I was very good at school when it came to dissecting a frog and do you know a heart? Did you ever cut the heart mm -hmm. open? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did that. I didn't mind that. But, yeah, but they're dead. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think just, just finishing up a thought on, on plastic surgery, I think, Neha, you, you, you said it really well last time we talked about it. You know, from a woman's point of view, I would think 
well, of course it makes sense for another woman to work on me because you would know what makes sense as a woman, you know, you know, are things going to be too big? Are they going to cause pain? Whatever, like you wouldn't know. But then that brings the question of, are people getting surgery? I guess what I mean is, are the beauty standards those of men's? Therefore, male surgeons do it. I know how you put it. You put it a lot better last time. Um, are men curating the way that women they want women to look? Potentially, that was what we were having a conversation about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, you mean in terms of cosmetic surgery and cosmetic changes? Mm-hmm. Um, it's all down to fashion, isn't it? And and it's all down to what's driving the fashion. So, are we as women driving that fashion and making everyone, including men, want that kind of ideal woman, uh, or is it the other way around? Uh, I have yet yeah. to find some. I have yet to find any of my male colleagues because I've actually asked them around um, if anyone does like lip fillers. Um, I don't know if they're trying to be polite, but all of them keep saying no, <laughs> so they don't like the Kylie Jenner look. So I think in terms of lip fillers, it seems to be more of a woman-driven thing. Um, breast augmentation, um, enlarging breast. Uh, that's more of a debate, isn't it? Because I think it's more down to you know personal choice but it, mm. choice being the sense that is it because they they feel that they're going to be more attractive if they have larger breasts um and how much is that driven by men versus themselves yeah i mean whatever floats your boat right at the end of the day <laughs> if people want something done they should have it done um and i guess following on from that um have there been any times where you felt like your gender has been an advantage or a disadvantage in in your working environment um so at times it's definitely been an advantage i would say having that other perspective when i've been in scenarios where i've been the only female surgeon or the female clinician Um, And I feel like sitting down and exploring what could be frustrating a patient or worrying a patient uh, and taking that moment to look at the different perspective um, that my colleagues may not have um, given as much time to. I think I do definitely uh, bring another aspect to to, uh, caring more holistically. Um, And I should hope that my other colleagues female colleagues would also say something similar as well uh because in, in terms of male and female we we all bring different qualities to the table to a team and that that's what makes a good team uh, working together and just looking at at the bigger picture um challenging scenarios that you asked for i think it's more down to the stereotypes as opposed to anything else um for example having someone ask a question sitting down and explaining uh, the whole procedure to them um, and then finding that they've grabbed the next available male surgeon and asked the exact same questions because 
possibly didn't trust uh, what, what was said by a female. Um, but that's uh, that's definitely becoming less and less common, I think. Um, so breaking down the stereotypes, I hope. I guess it's that undermining authority, isn't it? It is. Um, and it's, again, we hear this from women in many different fields of, you can say the same thing, but sometimes the client, the end customer, the patient in your case wants to hear it from a man. Um, and there's different ways of combating that or, or getting around it. But I think to your sort of point of, I guess it's a lot about relationships in, in what you do with your patient. You've got mm -hmm. to be able to build trust um, because at times, you know, on the most severe aspects, their life is in your hands and in other aspects, you're trying to improve their quality of life. Um, and so I think that's a, a human thing. That's not a gender thing at all. It's about how you relate to somebody um, and how if you can meet them where they are. <laughs> Yeah, exactly and it's also the experiences because what I'm hoping is once they've had that experience of positive experience with a female surgeon um, they can look back remember it and say well actually that that wasn't too bad um, and they can relate to that if another scenario arrives further down the line um, in a few years time or decades uh, because it's with that that positive experience and that rapport with uh, between the patient and the the clinician that's what makes it more uh, of a solid foundation for later on in the years um, and just again breaks down the stereotypes it's funny you talk about stereotypes all of my like knowledge I feel comes from Grey's Anatomy because I feel like I draw on it very heavily but there's that kind of stereotype of the female surgical interns have like better bedside manner but of course Christina completely bucks that trend by having horrible bedside manner and almost acts like a very laddish mm. man in her persona with the patient um and I think it's and that's really nothing about her like she doesn't deny her femininity or anything that is just how she is um but it, yeah it's fun to kind of see how they've taken that stereotype and inverted it in a character but, but and I think, Neha, this really brings me to, you know, a recent other episode we recorded around how people quite often associate females or women to be more caring, naturally, or more nurturing. Um, and I'm wondering if that's something you see as well, you know, in terms of how patients expect you to be, because I, you know, from my understanding, I've got other friends who are doctors, doctors don't look at gender. Doctors look at what the medical problem is, right? And they deal with it. Whereas I guess in something like, you know, um, I lost the word for it, pediatrics, when you're dealing with little children, I'm wondering if people actually prefer the doctor to be a woman because they would expect, or maybe you've been a mum, or maybe, I don't know, you would just naturally be more caring to my child. I I see where they're coming from, but at the same time, that's, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Um, so just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you're the patient, um, in-tune, empathetic um, person. And 
versa again with a man. Um, and I think the way to look at it is uh, we do get male nurses. Um, does that also mean that male nurses can't uh, show empathy, can't show their caring side? No, not at all. I think one of like the, the, some of the best nurses that I've worked with them have been male. Um, so to make that assumption that she's a female uh, doctor, so she will have that time and that patience as opposed to a male doctor who will not sit down and understand my child um, crying endlessly. Um, no, I, I, I don't agree with that because then you, ca you can't claim that and then at the same time, say you know we're not biased towards male nurses for instance um i think obviously stereotypes um do happen but i think that's more because of the society rather than anything else um we've we've got all got this in our heads that you know a male is more dominating versus a woman who you know a woman who's more assertive is actually more difficult to handle a difficult person um, and therefore needs to go for a leadership course well that, that that's not the case um it's it's just breaking that down that barrier and seeing how that person is working as a whole, um, which is more important. I've got another sidebar question. So, so, <laughs> you know, like what's that show on BBC? Save the midwives. Are there mid husbands? I think you can be a male. I assume you can be a male midwife, but. I would imagine you it'd be very hard to find or like labor and delivery as they call them in the US like I think you'd find it I think very there hard. Will be. There's there's not going to be a there's not going to be a rule saying you can't be um but whether there are any that take it up that's the thing. I mean there are male gynecologists, right? There are so female yeah. gynecologists and I think it's it's just more of a case of finding them than anything. And also like Again, things that attract you to a career. And maybe like you just have to find someone that was, you know, their role and their that. passion. Yeah, is to be a. Yeah, mid, I guess that's call a, it a mid husband, a mid well midwifery. Yeah, mid husbandry. Husbandry. <laughs> I thought husbandry meant uh, looking after animals, like a farmer. It, it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're birthing little like baby animals. <laughs> like sheep and that. <laughs> well, but that's a point though, isn't it? Vets deliver baby mm. animals. Yeah. So it's definitely possible. I I'm just gonna have to have my eyes peeled now. That's that's something that I never noticed that I haven't seen, but it must it must be there out there. And is it true that they also wear pink scrubs in the labour wards? Or is that a myth? I think it's really <laughs> dependent on the hospital. Okay. There's, there's some, my old hospital had like lovely fuchsia coloured uh, scrubs. I absolutely love that. <laughs> Do you. Oh, so it's like standardised. So you don't get to choose. It's uh, it's dependent on the hospital because I think they, they must have bought it from a company and um, right. some buy a bulk of blue or turquoise for their, their hospital staff or fuchsia or pink in this case again another grace reference because somebody tells someone that oh, i can't take them seriously because they wear pink scrubs in that department 
<laughs> which is absurd but fair um okay anyway we'll sidebar over <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, i guess so i'm i'm trying to phrase this question properly because i've seen other um interviews with celebrities where they ask about what they wear and things like that and being slaughtered by oh how sexist are you to ask a woman that but actually on a very practical term i just i just wanted to know like are there rules about what you have to do with your hair so it's not you know going everywhere what you know what shoes are you allowed are you allowed i know nail varnish is not allowed to my friend's absolute like yeah it's a big no-no I would have loved it, but it's a big no-no. I think it's it's all down to infection control, really, at the end of the day. Um, so nail varnish is a no, um, and just keeping your nails short, and that's simply because you're washing your hands, sterilizing mm. it, putting it in gloves, and putting your hands in um, some body cavity. I like that uh, gesture that you show there. That That's exactly what we do. <laughs> um, hair, as long as it's out the way, um, not in your face not accidentally again falling in the cavity that that's a good start um and do you wear a scrub cap when you're in I assume you have to yeah yeah scrub cap um it's it's a little bit like you know the canteen caps that you see Mm -hmm. someone serves you food in the canteen so it's like that you put on a mask um depending on how messy the procedure is you you might also have a eye shield so you don't get bodily fluids splashing into your eyes um and a gown on top of that as well just just uh, to be covered from neck to uh, neck to toe um shoes it's it's definitely it needs to have the the toes covered um so it's not it's not just body fluids that can fall on your toes but you, you don't want to be um the one who accidentally drops a scalpel <laughs> a sharp scalpel on toe and has a chanda moment and from friends so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a reason behind the rules, um, even though it sounds draconian. <laughs> it's to keep everyone safe, you included. Janice, I don't think you'd last a day. No nail polish, hair tied up, and closed-toed shoes. I mean, we just would not be onto a winner, would we? I'd, I'd, I'd be okay. I'd compromise on the shoes. I'm, I'm usually in trainers, so I'll be okay with the shoes. But the nails and the hair is going to be a problem. <laughs> So is there anything else um, you wanted to share with us? So I think it's just getting to know how a surgeon, well, what, what the history of a surgeon is or was in England. I think the only thing to add um, was initially they were actually barbers. Uh, I don't know how many people knew that. <laughs> um, so when you see a sign of a, a, a barber, have you noticed it's a red and white symbol? Uh, just yeah. yeah that one's spiraling around mm-hmm. uh, the red actually represented blood and the white uh, represented bandage because you'd go in uh, have your hair cut um, so normally ma- men going in having their hair cut by a male barber um, and whilst they're at it you know if you've got any loose or rotten teeth we'll pull out the teeth um, oh do you need an amputation we'll do that as well so it was a it was a less of a formal qualification and more of a hack and see what we can do so uh, it's it's definitely gone a long way since then <laughs> so Sweeney Todd was actually based on some truth then Except, except the you know making people into food part, but 
I think his aim was to kill people, so not quite. But um, it wasn't unusual to have a barber doing an operation. <laughs> That's fascinating. I, I had no idea. That's how these came to be. Yeah, so we've gone a long way from that. And then um, having women uh, coming in and uh, becoming surgeons as well. So let's see what, what the next century brings us. <laughs> it's probably going to be all robots doing surgery. <laughs> I'll be having tea in the next room then, making my life easier. <laughs> okay, so to end, we always ask our guests this season the same question, and it's if you were to come back in another life, what gender would you come back as? It's the uh, same. I'd say female. I think in terms of when... Uh, when's the best time to be a female, if that's even the right word word to say it. I think now is, um, we, you know, in terms of what we're able to do, in terms of the quality that we're getting compared to centuries ago or decades ago, um, now's, now is the best time, as it were. Um, yes, there's more to for us to do. Uh, we're still trying to, you know, break open the glass ceiling. But, um, I mean from from what they've helped to pave uh, for us in previous decades um the women before us uh, i think now is now is the best time to for us to be women <laughs> as cheesy as it sounds um yeah definitely makes sense i think you are definitely in the majority that have said that for me we've asked and you're actually the first one that's put it quite like that but I think it's very true. We probably, as women, never had it as good before, but it's exciting to know what will come after us. Exactly. You've been listening to Culturally Speaking with music by Kevin McLeod. Please rate and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Get in touch with us at Culturally Speaking Podcast on Instagram. You'll find all the details in our show notes. Tune in next week for more culture. Until then, stay cultured.